you know, this past month here at Restoration, we've been talking about Christmas movies, some of our favorites, some of the worst. And, uh, you know, I figured I might as well start tonight or this morning out by getting myself in trouble. And let me just reiterate, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, all right? Die Hard, I don't know, some of you still are texting me like, Die Hard's the best, it's not a Christmas movie. All right, I got that out of my system. But I love talking about Christmas movies because I've had this love for Christmas movies since I was a child. And I was thinking, when did I start, when did I really start falling in love with Christmas movies? And I thought back to my grandma, grandpa. My grandma, grandpa, uh, they, when I was young, they gave me a couple of, you know, the old VHS cassettes. You know, those are like, I, my kids don't even know what those are any day, a- anymore. But, you know, the VHS cassettes you put in the VCR. I remember I, I got a couple of movies from my grandma, grandpa. I got one that was the California Raisins. And I don't know what that was about. That was weird. Uh, I, I never grew on them. But they also gave me the Peanuts movies. You remember the Peanuts movies? Charlie Brown. I had, we had uh, Charlie Brown uh, uh, Halloween. Um, then they gave us, uh, uh, I actually got to look at the name because I forgot the name of it. It's been a while. You're in love, Charlie Brown. And then the best one of all. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Isn't that such a classic, the Charlie Brown Christmas movie? You remember that scene? And I love that scene where Charlie Brown is frustrated and he looks and he says, doesn't anybody know what the true meaning of Christmas is? Remember that scene where Linus walks out with his little blanket? He comes out and recounts the story of Christmas out of Luke chapter 2. That's such a good Christmas. I'm surprised no one mentioned that when we talked about great Christmas movies. You guys are, something's wrong with you, but. I always love the character of Linus because Linus was this kid who always had his little security blanket with him, right? He's dragging around this little blanket and it was like a a sense of security. Like how many of you, when you're growing up, how many of you had that item? You had that, the stuffed animal, you had that, that, that blanket, whatever it happened. Maybe you still have it. I'm not judging. My sister's got one. I'm not judging her, but like you recognize that idea of, of you have this item that when you're afraid or overwhelmed or scared, man, you want that blanket because it's like that security to you. You know, it made me think uh, here a couple of weeks ago, our middle child celebrated his 18th birthday. And it's like, where does the time go? And I remember we're looking through some pictures, some old photos, and there was a photo of him that came up that I thought was so cute. And it reminded me, uh, he must have been like, three or four years old. I remember him being two. My wife says he was older than that. So he was probably three or four years old and he had a respiratory virus and had to go into the hospital and stay overnight. And so again, you think about a little kid, you're sick, you're not feeling good. You have to go into the hospital. That's this big, crazy place. You got all these doctors that are poking you and prodding you and these wires all over the place. And the picture of his, him, I think it's up there, him sitting in the bed and he's got this little monkey next to him, stuffed animal, Curious George. That was his little security. That was his best friend. I mean, we've got pictures of him doing all sorts of things with this little uh, stuffed animal. He's riding a tricycle with a stuffed animal riding with him. And and just, and I remember this day because we're in the hospital. It's overwhelming. And he's like, I need Curious George right next to me. He's my best friend. He's my comfort and my security. (laughs) Uh, He's probably not happy I shared that picture of him, but it's wonderful anyways. Now, We kind of think about this and we're like, it seems kind of childish, right? Like when you're scared or overwhelmed, it's kind of childish to have a blanket or or a stuffed animal that's like your security. It'll make you feel better. But let's just be honest. How many of us have things like that? When we're overwhelmed or scared 
or anxious or fearful or whatever it happens to be, how many of us have things that we turn to for comfort? They may not be blankets. They may not be stuffed animals. But what is it that we cling to for comfort? What is it we go to when we're overwhelmed? I mean, some of us were like, well, we go to our money. Well, if I've got money in the bank, I'm okay. I can handle everything. That's my comfort. That's my security. Or we get overwhelmed and we're like, man, I just need a drink. I just need something to numb the pain so I can kind of get out of the pain and get, get to a spot where I don't have to feel it anymore. Maybe we're overwhelmed and we start just pulling out our phone and scrolling through our phone and just kind of distracting ourselves. Maybe we're like, man, I'm overwhelmed with what's going on. I'm just going to turn to politics and I'll just, you know, if the right candidate would get into the office, everything would be solved. When you're overwhelmed and anxious and fearful, what is it you turn to for comfort? Because oftentimes we turn to these things. They don't really help us. They kind of lead us further to depression and anxiety and, and further fear. This month here at Restoration Church, we've been talking about this idea about how uh, presence over presence, right? About how the greatest gift that we can give often is not a gift under the tree, but the greatest gift that we can give to the people we love is actually our presence, investing in our relationships with the people that matter most. In fact, we said this is what Christmas is all about. The fact that God came to be with us, God's presence with us. In fact, one of the verses that we've talked about all month is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. That great Christmas promise. And it says, Behold, the Lord will give you a sign. Uh, the virgin will conceive and have a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That promise was that baby that would be born to the Virgin Mary, born in a manger, was not an ordinary child. But that child was actually God in the flesh, God in human form, God with us. Now, if I'm just going to be honest with you, like, I've been in church a long time. I've heard that verse hundreds and hundreds of times. You guys probably have done the same thing. You've heard that verse. And I, and I thought it's interesting. Have you ever actually paid attention to the con context in that verse is found in? You know, they say in real estate, the three rules of real estate, location, location, location. And when we're reading Scripture, Really, what matters for us in reading Scripture is context. What is the context that this verse is written in? And so this morning, as we look at this great Christmas verse, Isaiah 7, 14, I want to look a little bit at the meaning behind it, the context in which we find it. See, Isaiah 7 is part of a bigger story in Scripture uh, involving uh, uh, the story of God's people and a king by the name of Ahaz. You see, uh, back in that day, there was a nation called Assyria, and they were, they were uh, a powerful nation. They were a feared nation. They were kind of like, they were a dynasty. If you can think about the Chicago Bulls from the 1990s, that's who they were. You can think about the, the, the New England Patriots with Tom Brady. Like, nobody wanted to mess with them because they're just big and bad. They were a war machine known to gobble up city after city uh, and as they expanded their kingdom. Well, Assyria, they formed an alliance with uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, which the text calls uh, Ephraim. And, and they formed this alliance, and they're preparing to go and attack the southern kingdom of Israel that's called Judah, right? So uh, Assyria and, and, and Ephraim, they're going to go and attack Judah. And, and Judah is like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? They're going to attack us. They're going to take us captive. They're going to kill us. They're going to take our land. 
And this is what it says in verse 2. Isaiah 7, Isaiah 7 verse 2 says, When it became known to the house of David that Assyria had conquered Ephraim, it says the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of the people trembled like trees of the forest shaking in the wind. Listen to that imagery. Their hearts trembled like trees of the forest shaking in the wind. You know what that means? They were afraid. They had this fear. What's going to come of our nation? What's going to come of our, our, our families? What's going to happen to our homes? What's going to happen to our lives? These people are overwhelmed with a very legitimate fear. What's going to happen? So what's God going to say to them? Well, God's going to speak through the prophet Isaiah. He's going to speak to King Ahaz, can speak to the nation. Here's what he says in verse 7. He says, this will not happen. This will not occur. Don't worry, guys. This isn't going to happen. Then he says in verse 9, he says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. God has a message for the people. It's a message of faith. He's saying, listen, you need to trust God. You didn't have faith in him. He's sovereign. He's in control. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of things. It's kind of like the message is this often uh, cliche instruction. Isaiah is saying, choose faith over fear. Because if you don't choose to stand on your faith today, you'll fall for anything. Well, God is so, so passionate about this message. He says, Ahaz, Look, I've told you this is not going to happen. I've told you put your faith in me. And so God actually says, Ahaz, why don't you ask me for a test? Ask me for a sign. Ask me for anything, and I'll give you the sign to prove to you that you can have faith in me, that you can trust me, that I will deliver. Verse 13 says, Ahaz says, I'm not going to test God. I'm not going to test God. It sounds like he's trying to be uber religious. But really, Ahaz doesn't want to trust God. He wants to trust himself. And so that's the context when we read verse 14. God says, you don't want to ask me for a sign when I told you to? He says, I will give you a sign so that you know that you can have faith and trust in me. That's verse 14. The virgin shall conceive and have a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, God with us. This promise loomed over Israel for 700 years until the virgin Mary betrothed to Joseph. They traveled to Bethlehem together because of the census. And then when there was no room at the inn, Mary gave birth and laid the baby in a manger, a son that they called Emmanuel, God with us. And that is what makes Christmas so special. In the midst of fear, of uncertainty, of a broken world, we have the hope of that promise that has been fulfilled through that child. Let's talk fear for just a moment. Like we probably don't have to fear Assyria overtaking Yakima, right? I'm not, I, that's not something I think many of us worry about. But aren't there countless things that we do worry about that give us fear? I mean, you flip on the news, you go on social media, and it's kind of like those things are nonstop trying to, to worry us with all the problems in the world, all the things that could happen. There's tons of them, things for us to be fearful of. The economy. The economy is bad. So, you know, what happens if we lose our job? 
What happens if we lose our house? What happens if we can't feed our family? These are legitimate fears. What about, what about all the violence we see all around us? What about the violence happening in the Yakima Valley? What about shootings happen down at the mall? What about gang issues and all these things happening around us? What about the fact that there are these wars going on in the world? And we're all waiting. We're all fearful. What if that one nation joins in those wars? Then do we just go into World War III? And what's that going to look like? We've got legitimate fears going on. We've got relationships that we know are, are not where they need to be. A fear of, man, this broken relationship, this, this person I want to have a relationship and it's broken. Fear of, man, what would happen if divorce is on the table? What, what happens if I'm betrayed? Fears of our kids. We've got kids and we're like, man, what if they don't get the right education? What if they don't turn out the way that we want them to turn out? What if they go down the wrong path? Legitimate fears. Fears of cancer and sickness and death of someone we loved. We've got a fear of, of, of our own struggles. We've got these things that we know we struggle with and the fear of what if I'm found out? What if everybody finds out that I'm doing the thing I shouldn't be doing and I've been trying to hide? The fear of the weight of the pain and the burden that we carry on inside of us that we're like, man, nobody understands. No, I think our world is full of reasons for us to be afraid. And the question is, what happens for us when we're like King Ahaz or Linus or Hudson or any of one of us in this room? What happens when, in the midst of the broken world, when we are afraid and overwhelmed and lonely and anxious and tired, what do we do? Just give up? Do we just give in to the fear? Do we cling to a blanket that a blanket is going to make us feel better? Do we, do we cling to, to, to uh, a bank account or a politician? Do we cling to religious rules that's going to try and fix our life? What is it we cling to? No, we look to the manger, to the baby born to the virgin who is Emmanuel, who is God with us. Because that baby gave us these amazing promises. That baby said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, that baby born in the manger, he's the one who says, I'm gonna give you my spirit who will dwell inside of you forever. That baby's the one that said, when you are lost, I'll be your guide. That baby's the one that said, when you are alone, listen, I'll be your companion. I'll be there with you. I'll be alongside you. He's the one that said, when you are hurting, guess what? I'll be your comforter. He's the one who said, when you're afraid, I will be your peace. The one who said, when you are sick, I'll be your healer. The one who said, when you are weak, I'll be your strength. That is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the one who said, when you are dead and lost in your sins, I will be your savior. Born to die so you can live. Do you get that this is what Christmas is about? This is why it's so special. Reminder of God's presence with us. That God's presence is a gift of comfort and hope and faith. And it makes the greatest difference in all the world for us to experience that gift of his presence 
in our lives. It doesn't matter if we're like King Ahaz and we're facing Assyria or whether we're like Kevin facing kids that we're trying to love and shape in the right direction. We don't have to be afraid because we have his presence to be with us always and forever. Let me close with a little story. 35 years ago, uh, I remember my family, we went over to Seattle. We're celebrating Christmas with my grandma, grandpa. We weren't super close to my grandma, grandpa. We didn't go over there very often. And so I remember this was a very special Christmas. Uh, grandma, grandpa there, the whole family's there. All my siblings were there. And uh, I remember th- there was a big storm that happened. You know, the, the, the winds were just howling outside. The rains were pouring down. There was thunder and lightning. And eventually what happened, of course, the power went out. Now we're in this new house. I haven't been there before. And I was six or seven years old and I got afraid. I'm in this strange house. Lights are out. It's dark, kind of fearful. And I'm six or seven and I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> but I remember that night because we all gathered in that living room. And I'm sitting on the couch and I got my mom next to me, my dad next to me, all my siblings there. And pretty soon that fear began to fade because I wasn't alone. And I remember that night in that living room, we lit candles all over the room, so we had a little bit of light. I remember we had, we had pies for dinner because there was no power. We couldn't cook anything. Pies were the only thing we had. We had pie for dinner. That was amazing. I still remember that as the best dinner I ever had. I remember we sat in that living room with candle lit, and, and we, had a, uh, we had a talent show. And we laughed to our bellies hurt because none of us were talented. None of us. We still are not talented. But I remember we laughed at each other trying to perform and trying to be great. And I remember that night started so fearful and afraid. And that fear was dissipated and gone. Why? Because we weren't alone. And this is why we celebrate Emmanuel, Christmas, God with us. Because the storms of life, they absolutely will roar. They will roar their ugly face and bring things that will overwhelm us, that will cause us to fear, cause us to feel dark and uncertain and fearful. And Christmas is a reminder. We are not alone. Emmanuel, God is with us. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he is with us. God gives us this peace that passes all understanding, replaces our fear with this abiding trust that we are not alone, that he is with us and he is working things out for our good and for his glory. And that is why we celebrate presence over presence. God's presence with us, Emmanuel. Let's pray.